0: Hello, and thank you for tuning in to Answers from the Lab, where we share Mayo Clinic knowledge and advancements on the state of testing and science from laboratory leaders and the people who are making it happen behind the scenes. I'm Dr. Bobby Pritt, your host, and the clinical microbiologist and the chair of the Division of Clinical Microbiology at Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota. For today's episode, we welcome Sean Mitchell from our product management team at Mayo Clinic Laboratories for a test and focus interview.
1: Thanks for the introduction, Dr. Pritt. Today, we will be discussing disaccharide disaccharidase testing at Mayo Clinic Laboratories. But before we get started, Dr. Hobson, could you please share a little about you and your background with our listeners?
0: Yes, of course. So I'm a pediatric gastroenterologist here at the Mayo Clinic. As it relates to this talk today, I have had the pleasure of actually training with some of the, what I would say, the gurus of the disaccharidase testing, Dr. Mehta, Dr. Horvath at Arnold Palmer Hospital in the University of Florida. Here, I worked with them, learned a tremendous amount about disaccharidase testing, and we utilized it extensively in our clinical practice. So, I hope to share with you my experience there too.
1: Thanks again, Dr. Hobson, for joining us today. Could you describe for us what the disaccharidase test is?
0: Yeah, the test essentially measures the enzyme activity of up to five enzymes that are naturally present in the villi, or what we call the brush border of the small intestine. These enzymes include lactase, sucrase, maltase, palatinase, and glucoamylase. That's a mouthful, so let's just take this one easy one for example, which is lactase. The enzyme lactase aids in the digestion of a common sugar we call lactose found in dairy products. This test can measure the activity level of lactase, meaning that if we detect a low level of activity, this would suggest that you have lactase deficiency. And in turn, if lactose is ingested, say you drink a milkshake, the brush border of your small intestine does not have enough lactase to break down the lactose sugar that you just ingested. And then these maldigested sugars go downstream to the colon, they're eaten up and extensively fermented by your colonic bacteria, and they can lead to symptoms of gas, bloating, abdominal pain, and loose stools.
1: Thank you for that great description. For this testing, what specimen is required?
0: For this test, it's performed on a biopsy that's obtained from the small intestine, specifically the duodenum. This is a typical biopsy that you would otherwise obtain in a standard upper endoscopy. However, it is important that it is obtained from the distal portion of the duodenum, which we call the second or third portion.
1: Can you provide a brief overview and intended use of this testing?
0: Absolutely. The test is intended to evaluate for carbohydrate maldigestion, such as I mentioned before with the example of lactose maldigestion from lactase deficiency. There are other carbohydrates, including sucrose, which is a common sugar made up of glucose and fructose. And the digestion of this sugar sucrose is by the sucrase enzyme. In cases of low sucrase enzyme activity, this is called sucroisomaltase deficiency. Overall, the typical presentation that you would see for a carbohydrate maldigestion is really nonspecific. It can include abdominal pain, nausea, dyspepsia, excessive gas, bloating, abdominal distension, and change in your bowel patterns, such as loose stools. And it's interesting to note when it comes to sucrase isomultase deficiency. The symptoms, just as I mentioned before, have been studied and found that in up to about 35% of patients with presumed irritable bowel syndrome actually have sucrase isomaltase deficiency. So it is a really important clinical entity to use and to have if you can do
1: this test. Thank you, Dr. Hobson, for that overview. And what you just described, could you specifically state how this test helps you and your patients?
0: Yeah, that's a great segue into this is one thing that is great about this test is that it can increase the diagnostic yield of your endoscopy. Just as I mentioned before, with sucrase isomaltase deficiency being found in patients with IBS, essentially, you know, in your general practice, when you do an endoscopy, you can detect an abnormality based on just that biopsy in maybe about 20% of cases. This is like finding gastritis or peptic duodenitis, but as you know, in cases such as irritable bowel syndrome, you may find that the everything is normal on your biopsy. Now, the addition of a disaccharase test in the right clinical setting would increase your diagnostic yield of finding an abnormality uh, by at least another 10 or 20%. So in those cases, you'll have a higher chance of detecting abnormality and Overall, helping your patients clinically because the symptoms of disaccharide deficiency or carbohydrate maldigestion are really non-specific. When it comes to identifying causes, there's tremendous overlap with clinical features, and sometimes these symptoms can be frequently considered to be, you know, potentially serious conditions such as inflammatory bowel disease or celiac disease. They have really common presenting symptoms. And so the key point I want to make is that oftentimes when we see these patients who have had chronic illness or chronic symptoms going on for such a long time, it's hard to piece together the history and it can be quite complex to tease out A causes B. And in doing an endoscopy, the addition of this test may be really beneficial if you find a deficiency and sometimes can provide a lot of clarity for your patient's symptoms and oftentimes lead to a more positive clinical experience.
1: Excellent. It's so important to understand how our testing can help with the patients that we see. And again, with what you just described and illustrated, what clinical action is enabled by the results of this test?
0: Yes. So if the disaccharitis, if a disaccharitis deficiency is detected, the treatment is almost always diet modification. In some cases, there are enzyme supplements available, uh, such as lactate that's used for lactase deficiency and sucrate that's used for the sucrase-isomaltase deficiency I spoke about.
1: I appreciate you providing this additional input from a patient management perspective. As we conclude our interview, how does this test improve upon previous testing approaches?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. Disacridase activity testing, specifically the tests we're talking about today, is the gold standard to diagnose deficiency because it directly measures enzymatic activity. There are other tests available that include breath testing and stool testing, which are indirect measures, essentially. For the breath testing, this is where you would ingest a substrate you're suspicious of, let's say, lactose, and measure the levels of hydrogen in your breath in relation to how well that substrate is enzymatically broken down. There's limitations to this test. For example, in children, you may not be able to give a good breath sample. And in some cases where the hydrogen may be abnormally high and in such cases like small bowel and intestinal bacterial overgrowth. For the stool testing, the stool testing typically done in the past is reducing substances and stool pH. These are used commonly to evaluate for osmotic diarrhea, but had been used in screening tests for disaccharidase deficiency. However, there was a recent study that actually compared these tests head-to-head with disaccharidase biopsy testing, and it showed that the sensitivity of the stool testing was only between 9 and 28%. So it really suggests that it should not be used as a screening test for disaccharidase deficiency. So overall, it is the gold standard test that we're, we're talking about today, and it is the best test to use, especially if you are going in for endoscopy.
1: Excellent. Thank you, Dr. Hobson, for taking time today to update us on this new Mayo Clinic Laboratories test offering.
0: You're welcome. Thanks. Thank you so much for tuning in to Answers from the Lab. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast and don't forget to tune in every Thursday and every other Tuesday.